So here's the question, in the print and packaging supply chain, how do we deliver new ideas and innovative practices to continually improve your profit, your brand, and your quality? Welcome to the Gamut Podcast, and I am your host, Jeff Collins, Director of Print Technologies for ID Alliance. We are a nonprofit global think tank serving the graphic communications industry with 12 offices strategically located around the world to better support our membership. You can support the Gamut Podcast and content like this by becoming a member at ID Alliance by going to www.idalliance.org. I would also like to thank Konica Minolta for sponsoring this podcast. They are a world leader in industrial and commercial printing and packaging solutions. With a comprehensive portfolio of production print offerings, Konica Minolta delivers the latest innovations in printing, applications, and expertise. Today, we have the pleasure of speaking with Mark Sandworth, color production specialist for ESCO, who is a leading supplier of innovative solutions for the commercial print and packaging industry. Mark began his career with DuPont, where he held numerous positions in the areas of flexographic plates and electronic imaging. He joined ESCO in 1997 and is currently focused on the development, marketing, and industry support of ESCO color products. And these include screening, calibration, G7, color management, and expanded gamut printing. He holds 11 patents in digital imaging, including FlexoCal, hybrid, and concentric screening technology, plate cell patterning, and expanded gamut technologies. He has focused his recent efforts on color managing digital presses and optimizing color and rip tools for the latest flexoplate imaging and exposure solutions. Mark is a lead contributor of ID Alliance's Extended Gamut Color Committee, or ECG, which is currently developing critical standard specifications and leading practices for ECG and the print and packaging industry. Mark is a graduate from Rochester Institute of Technology with a bachelor's in printing science and has an MBA from the University of Delaware. Good morning, Mark. I wanted to extend a big thanks for joining us today on The Gamut. And we are so fortunate to hear your story about the leading role that you play at ESCO in developing seven color process or extended color gamut printing for the consumer packaging industry. So maybe we could start by telling us about your current work at ESCO. Yeah, so just to give you just a short overview of ESCO. So ESCO is kind of a um, daughter company, you might say, of the parent company Danaher. And uh, Danaher is a company that owns a whole bunch of different, it's like a conglomerate, businesses focused on mostly industrial products. And one of their lines of products focuses on what they call marking or, you know, different segments related to, in our case, printing. So ESCO, you know, our, our sister company is X-Rite and Pantone, right, and AVT, Press Measurement Technologies. And ESCO's part of that is really, let's say, hardware and software related to packaging graphics. And it does every part of the value chain, even from creation and color selection and digital mock-up and, uh, let's say, plugins and tools to products like Adobe Illustrator and Adobe Photoshop all the way through automation <clears throat> and workflow and screening and plate imaging uh, for, for Flexo and Offset. So um, my role in that, there's a whole bunch of categories in that whole chain that I just outlined, but my role is color. Mostly applications support and development related to color. 
So, um, for example, if a, if a customer was thinking of changing their operation to go from a spot color workflow to an expanded gamut workflow, we would put together a bundle of solutions, hardware, a little bit of hardware, um, measurement devices and things like that, a lot of software, and a good bit of training and support to help them do that. For some of our membership that are listening to the podcast, one of the uh, questions that they may ask is, what is Seven Color Process and how does it compare to CMYK if they're not familiar with expanded color gamut? Yeah, Jeff, the the way I usually get that question is slightly backward. They say, (laughs) what is expanded gamut? Well, like uh, the easiest way to explain expanded gamut, and I, when I, I do a lot of training at Clemson, a little bit of Cal Poly, RIT, mm-hmm. work with the folks at Ryerson, um, whenever I always start off almost every uh, lecture with, you know, what is expanded gamut? And you can have this long discussion, and I let it go along depending upon how much time we have a long time. But I like to get right down to the simple, the simple point. Expanded gamut is seven-color process. Could be six, could be five. Could be CMYK with really high gamut inks. It could be all of those things. But the simplest way to just think about it, we're adding extra colors to expand the CMYK gamut. Understood. That makes it's easy to understand that. And so what's the value to doing this process? So the number one value is economic. And the economics have to do with never changing the hardware on a press, never changing the tooling on a press. So never cleaning up extra ink decks. So um, if you run it, if you run CMYK plus spot in packaging, that's pretty much the way about 80% of packaging is run today. 10 years ago, it was 99% of the packaging. Mm -hmm. You know, typically you'll have CMYK in four decks of the press and then spot colors in three or four more decks of the press. And after every, and the, the spot colors you put on there, of course, are related are the exact spot colors you're using in that job. So when you finish one job that had these, these four spot colors and you're about to print another job that has four different spot colors, you have to clean up four ink decks of the press. And depending upon a whole lot of things, that can take anywhere from 20 minutes to an hour and a half. So with expanded gamut, you have the same colors in every deck of the press on every job. You okay. never, between one job and the next, you never clean your ink decks. The right. only thing you do is put in a new plate. Massive make-ready improvement from one Massive job to another. Massive make-ready time improvement, right. Exactly. So look at the adoption rate of uh, seven-color process and extended color gamut. And I'm just going to kind of go back maybe you know, maybe 10 years, 15 years. And I remember getting the hexachrome swatch books from Pantone and I heard of, you know, hi-fi color and there was some stuff from DuPont and a few other ink manufacturers. And question that I have from my perspective is that I ha- I don't see it. Uh, if I go to a, a commercial printers, let's say they're doing offset or maybe even a packaging printer, whether it's offset or flexo, it seems that over, you know, that period of time I just mentioned, there's not a massive adoption of it. And is that a myth or what's the reality as far as the adoption rate of seven color process or extended color gamut? Well, first of all, I I think what you said is true, Jeff. Those early systems never became widely used. And the reason why they never became widely used is they were kind of focused on making images look spectacular 
And so all of those products that you mentioned, if you went to like Graph Expo or print 1995 or whatever, you would see these, you know, graphics that almost look like a Pink Floyd album cover. Mm -hmm. And um, they look so cool printed with these extreme, you know, high gamut inks. But, you know, that market is very, very small. And the, the biggest market in printing today, I don't know if it's the biggest um, by volume, but certainly by number of jobs is packaging. Yes. And that's, you know, that's certainly the biggest market for spot colors. That's where spot and just colors. Just to add on to that, it's a market that's really not in decline, both digital and in flexo. I mean, it, you right. have that packaging, right? And now well, we you have all these cool digital presses. They're talking about short run packaging. And uh, I think that that's, you know, a great place to, to, to adopt this technology. Yeah. And, and as soon as I mean, it was I'm not here to brag about ESCO. I love my company, yeah. but I'm here to talk about technology. But it, it expanded gamut really took off when ESCO developed the tools to put it right into packaging workflows. And um, so once you could really see the economic benefits, you know, the, we have tools for images, we have tools for vector and all of them are trying to get the same results out of seven standard colors as you got in the past with custom spot colors. And but of course, if, if you can do that and make it a, a lot faster and a lot more economical to do that, then you have a solution which is going to become widely adopted. So it's, you know, we, we, we hope we remain the market leader. That will only happen, of course, if we make our best products and, and give our customers the best support we can in the future. But, it, you know, when you look back at history, People are going to say it was ESCO who really brought expanded yeah. gamut into the you know the modern age and began to really push the adoption rate. And we'll talk so. about a little bit. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about the work that you guys are doing with ID Alliance in this particular area. But before we get there, kind of want to stay a little bit on track about seven color process. And we kind of talk. We're starting to go there with well the adoption rate. Uh, the tools and the workflow, making it user friendly to implement. And I know you guys have done a ton of work with those ESCO front ends, your rips, uh, to make that happen and using the tools to separate the images correctly, as well as the vector art and the Pantone colors. What, um, are the challenges? What are the challenges that seven color process introduces with these extra variables? It was, you know, sometimes we have, uh, challenges teaching people how to manage and process control, be consistent and accurate with four color process. Now I'm adding three extra inks. Talk to me about how you guys tackle the variation, the variables and process control on the plant floor. Yeah. Well, um, you know, I think one of the major hurdles that we're, we, the industry needs to come is uh, overcome right now. If you set up an expanded gamut system, Every single location you set up is a custom setup. And that's really the value added of the Idea Alliance, right? The Idea Alliance is bringing all the major vendors together and saying, hey, let's come up with some standards. They may not be applicable in every segment of the packaging industry, you know, the week after they come out. But let's take some of the really big sectors of the industry, folding cart and offset, the, the biggest single sector in all of packaging worldwide. Mm -hmm. Can't we develop some common standards like we did for G7 uh, where we can make it so that every single setup is not a custom setup? And um, Ron Ellis is um, chairing that. He's done a phenomenally good yes. job um, bringing that together. So these these will help the adoption rate. Um, 
And that's, uh, you know, we could talk about all the tools. I could go back to historically, you know, our tools just got way better over the time. We, we'd bring in an expanded gamma system. We'd set up Equinox and we'd see that the customers were liking this, this and this, but they were struggling with this, this and this. And we've made, you know, we, we have a continuous improvement um, process where we're constantly making our software better. Okay. But now, you yes. know, it's so it's really easy to set up expanded gamut. If any of your listeners tried to do it with our software or our competitors software, you know, more than five years ago and became frustrated because it was difficult to do. It is much easier to do now, though. We have standard charts to print and measure. We have standard ways to um, convert files. We have standard ways to measure charts. That's all become easier. You couple that with the Idea Alliance, who's um, kind of pushing us to have standard curves to aim at and standard ink sets and things like that, standard procedures. And it's going to be it's going to be as easy to do expanded gamut as CMYK or, or close to that. We're I think that's you know if you ask Ron Ellis what is really your goal, he might say something like we want to make it as easy to do yeah seven color as it is to do four color. Absolutely, applying doing what we did with the uh, G seven implementation uh, and the G seven methodology, both in digital and in offset, and uh, all the other technology uh, technology areas in printing. So right. we bring that same model uh, to educating the industry on how to implement seven color process correctly, the steps that are involved. So what do you think, uh, what would you tell our listeners what the, you know, simple steps are to set up expanded gamut and let's say a, an offset shop that's, uh, I don't know, maybe I have a repeat a 105 or 205 and I'm printing beer cartons for microbrew. Yeah. Yeah. I have a, one of the first presentations I do when I teach these classes at Clemson or at other places, I have a slide that outlines these steps. So now Jeff, you're going to challenge me. Can I remember my own slide? Right. <laughs> um, but let me, let me try to maybe quiz not at remember the end. my slide and just share with you the real big steps. Right on. The, the very first step when you set up expanded gamut is to choose what you want to aim at. Right. So you've got to choose, what do I want to aim my CMYK at? In most of the world now, that's G7, thanks to the Idea Alliance and, 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 and the, the work that it's done to make G7 accepted around the world. So we always tell people, you know, we don't tell them they have to aim at G7. They could aim at a TVI. You could have a discussion on the benefits or disadvantages of TVI compared to G7. But if they ask me my opinion, I will just say G7. Decide on your spec. We're going to aim our CMYK at G7. And why? And just real quick, uh, real briefly, why would you tell them G7? Well, um, I just, I personally, I just want the print to be the same every single day. I want you to pick a spec that you can aim at and you can hit, and that will and adjust curves over time if necessary to ensure that the print is the same every day. Now, it is also good that you have a gray balance. You know, I'm not trying to undersell that. Yes. But my um, my main thing is I just want you to print the same. And over time, your dot gain may change. You may change blankets or plates or something like that. But you can run the G7 process real quickly, get a set of curves, change your curves back, and you're right back to where you were, you know, before your printing conditions changed. Right. Controlling your so, print, printing conditions, make sure – ensuring you have a target to shoot for in the CMYK process. And then what's the next step? Right, right. So um, now, then you have to pick a target to aim at for your orange, green, and violet, right? 
And this is also work that's been done by the Idea Alliance in conjunction with some other kind of organizations, the SMU, the SHMU Committee, if anybody yes, remembers that Shmoo. silly name. Um, <laughs> and there's a spec now called SCTV, Spot Color Tone Value. So really, um, Spot Color Tone Value is a is kind of like a tone value, well, tone value for spot colors. You know, the, um, the regular tone value in a densitometer or spectrophotometer is based on something called the Murray-Davis formula, which is based on measuring cyan, magenta, and yellow through given filters, through standardized filters. So there's, you can say there's three filters. They happen to be mathematical in a spectro today. They're set for me- measuring cyan, magenta, and yellow. What about the other 2,000 Pantone colors? of which orange, green, and violet are one set of colors. So there's no filters in a densitometer to do that. If you try to use red, green, and blue filters, you get really weird results. You know, SCTV is a way to measure tone value that works for spot colors. And it happens to be that your aim can be linear. If you're using Murray Davis TBI, you have to aim at something like 50 or 67. By the way, if you're using G7, you can forget about all that. It happens automatically, which is another nice thing about G7. You just get, you just match the neutral print density curve and your TVI takes care of itself and nobody freaks out because the 50s, 67. Right. Um, um, but with SCTV, you have to pick an aim that you're, you know, and it can be linear as a logical aim. If you print such that your 50 is 50, your 25 is 25, your 75 is 75, that's a standard aim. So that's the very first thing you got to pick what you're aiming at. Then you got to pick your inks. There again, the Idea Alliance is kind of jumping in to help. So most offset printers, we tell them aim for ISO 12647-2. That's now the international standard offset mm-hmm. ink. That's the one we use for Grackle. It's also the one used in Europe. So we have the same CMYK inks now in North America as Europe. And for orange, green, and violet, we never had something to give people, even as an aim. Um, right. And um, the Idea Alliance is going to be taking care of that. So the Idea Alliance has some aims. They're going to be published, well, we'd have to ask Ron, within the next few months as to what are logical aims for orange, green, and violet. And even if everybody can't hit them right away, because a new aim, after a while, everyone kind of gets to the point where they can make CMYK inks that match these ISO specs. Um, It's at least something to start with. So you have to. And it's an advantage for our material suppliers because when we look at the ink companies and even paper and substrate, they need to know what those are. So when we're doing ink drawdowns for OVG and we know what that spectral value is when it comes out of the ID Alliance committee, what those are, then the supply chain, uh, also has a target they can shoot for. So that can be consistent. Is that the right? That's right. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it, you, you first have to give somebody a target to shoot for before you can expect them to hit some uh, value that you have in your mind, right? Yes, and yeah. and um, and that's going to come out for sure. Going to come out of uh, the Idea Alliance work on that. Then I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna nail all these. Okay, mm-hmm. now once you have your your aim set at, and now you have to have your ink specs to aim at. We've got that. Now you can run. There's a couple different tests you should run on your press. The first one is the curves press run. And, and it's really, ex- you could use the exact same procedures right out of the G7 book, but do it with seven colors. You're going to use P2P targets. And we actually developed a P2P target that has orange, green, and violet. We're going to, let's go develop that. We're going to donate it to the ID Alliance if Thank the ID you. Alliance wants it. And um, 
you're going to go through the, pretty much the exact same procedure you do for G7 to get your cars, but it's going to give you cars for seven color instead of four. And that seven color curves will be based off of SCTV. And that's not to um, confuse that acronym with when I heard this. I'm like, has anybody ever watched Second City TV? I mean, it's hilarious. <laughs> that's how I remember, actually. <laughs> that I, pops to mind every time I hear it. So maybe that's a good thing. I, I have trouble with acronyms. And the only way I can remember an acronym is if I can relate it to something else, right? Right. And so that, that's how I do that. So um, it's going to be, the curves run is going to be based on SCTV for orange, green, and violet. But G7, right, measuring mm-hmm. a P2P target, G7 for CMYK. Awesome. So right. visual, I mean, it, to, to kind of uh, tell a story visually, if I can, that's the right way to say it, is that just like G7, I'm going to run that P2P target. It has those extra um, uh, patches in there for my orange, violet, and my green. And then very easy to use, run it through, and then it will tell me the correct curves for cyan, magenta, and yellow to hit my gray balance for CMYK, and then the correct curves for my orange, violet, and green. Is that correct? Yep, that's absolutely correct. Okay. Now, in expanded gamut, the one thing that's slightly different about doing seven colors than four is we need more real estate, right? We need r- more room on our press yes. sheet to put charts, right? Um, and the Idea Alliance is helping that in two ways. But let me first describe what I would do today. If somebody said, look, I got to get my press characterized today. My biggest customer is forcing me to print expanded gamut by next week. I got to do it. I would, uh, unlike the um, the G7 targets where the Curves press run, or you could call it the calibration press run, is the same chart as the verification press run. Um, we're going to use a different chart for those two press runs. Right. And the main reason why is that um, in the G7 process, there is a chart on there from which you can make a profile, right? But you, in most cases, you, you want to make a profile or just measure the data. And what you're going to do is you're going to compare your data to the um, to the Grackle 2006 or the Grackle 2013 data set, to the relevant CRPC data set. So, yes, you print a profile chart. Yes, you measure it like it's a profile. Um, but you don't really make a custom profile. You just compare it to a, another standard data set. Right? That's the typical way people set up G7. Right. right? Now, the way we, for expanded gamut, we have to make profiles because – now, in the long run, there may be standard profiles, and that's something I know Ron has on his planning board, right? Um, so, but um, and then we might go to the comparison model, like we have for G7. But right now, you need to make a profile. The ESCO profile charts are the most accurate I've ever seen, but they're also they take up the most space of any set of charts I've ever seen. And right now, to gain accuracy, people are willing to do that. When you're very first press run, your curves press run, there is not room enough to have charts for the CMYK and the other different combinations of orange, green, and violet. Right. And so, we're, we're working on developing a target that kind of solves that problem. Yes, yes. The Idea Alliance charts um, are going to be also published this year, right? There's a chart logic that can be based on one, two, three, or four charts. So that's, you know... With that amount of real estate, you might be able to have the curves press run the same, what G7 people call the calibration press run, the same as the verification. But right now, if I were to have to do it right now today, I would have a separate form after I got my curves 
Now I have my cursor set in color. I would have a separate form that's just profile charts. Yeah, they take up the whole sheet. And that, right? that's not too difficult. I mean, when you really want to do it right, and uh, the, the the time and investment and doing that calibration run with one the curves and then two the profiling uh, calibration. If you want to, or developing a profile with a separate chart. If I was to do that on a Flexo, what would that day look like? Would it be half a day? A full day, two days. The um, the curves press run is about the same amount of time as a G seven curves press run, maybe a little bit more. If you ask people who do G seven stuff every day, they'll tell you you should be able to do a curves press run in about an hour, and um, probably you know for expanded gamut, there's three more colors. I'd say one hour to an hour and a half to do the curves press run. To measure the curves, you know, with the curve software that out there today is like twenty minutes. Right. And that's 20 minutes to measure eight curve charts. So let's say you have three on a sheet or maybe. Yeah, let's say you have three on a sheet, three P to P's on a sheet. Measure three sheets, nine curve charts. You could do that in you know 25 minutes. The profile press run takes the same amount of time. So let's say that's an hour and a half. Right. It's all profile charts. You're, you're going to aim at the same solid densities, try to get a nice even print. Right. Um, so that's the same amount of time, another hour and a half. The time to measure our charts, the ESCO charts, that could be two or three hours. You're, you're spending your afternoon measuring charts. So it, you know? let's just say a day. day. Would that be safe? Yeah, yeah, that's kind of pushing it really. Um, you, you could, I have done it in a day. It can be a long day. Well, if you want to train, there's also a subtle difference. If you just go in and come and say, I don't care about anything, just do it. Then you can do it in a day. If they say, well, I want to be trained. Teach me how to use your curve software to get curves for seven color. Teach me how to use your profile yeah. software. You know, I would say, you know, to do that process, two days minimum. Right. Now, when, when yeah. I asked the question, I should have prefaced it. If, if somebody knows how to, to work the charts, do the calibration runs, and they're trained on G7, and uh, that you know, you, you, they're not involved in training. If I'm, uh, let's say, the quality assurance guy that's doing all of this with my press crew, it's practical to do it in a day. Obviously, if there's issues that arise, then I could turn into two days, right? Or maybe, you know, a little bit over time. Yeah, yeah. It's it's going to be two days. Um, we have different training programs that we offer. And uh, the training programs for press characterization can be three or even four days. Okay. Right. So it's, uh, you know, that's the most important part of the whole thing. If you said, well, I'd say there's two things. What's the most important part of being successful with Expand the Gamut? Number one, getting a good seven color profile. And number two, be setting up systems in your shop where you can repeat those printing additions over time. Gotcha. Those are the two things. So if somebody if somebody said to me, hey, is there a way to skimp and just make a good profile in an hour? Yeah, there's probably a lot of ways to do that. Right. right. But that you want to get that right. That's not where you want to cut your corner in making your profile. So to kind of go down that path that you just mentioned, which was the uh, professional services that you guys offer currently uh, to implement this and to train. What is that from a print service provider? I'm a guy that's, uh, you know, wants to get into this. Tell me I've got one. I have one Flexo press. I've been doing G7. Mark, what do you suggest? Uh, I want you guys to come in and give me a hand with this. Implement it. Train my crew. Is it a three day training? five-day training? Um, the, the standard training program we offer is four days if you want to characterize your press. And that involves learning all the products. So 
we do the whole thing, but the customer actually presses every button, Got right? <clears throat> they go in and they make their curves press run form. Um, they go in and they make their, um, you know, the, uh, in CMYK, it's for a sheet fed offset, right? It's easy to have some standard forms. And even though the Idea Alliance wanted to make them standard, now there's like 50 forms on the Idea Alliance website because they wanted to make them for different size offset presses, yes. right? But uh, so it's really hard to make a, one standard press form. Well, in the world of packaging and Flexo, it's impossible. Every press is a different size and they all have different cylinder repeats, right? So you so, guys are making press uh, press forms. You have probably a standard set of targets or a variety of targets right. depending on the size. And then you're probably opening up what, like InDesign and Illustrator and putting that test form together according to the, the web width or the sheet size. Right, that's right. Right, standard targets like the P2P. We call it the P2P OGV because it has OGV as well, right? P2P 51 mm-hmm. plus OGV. So you lay out those targets. Um, that's the Curves press run. And then we have another target. Well, we can use the um, the ECI 2002, the IT7-4, the um, TC1617, or our own data set format called the EDK format. And we can use that to make seven-color charts. We have tools to make four-color charts into seven-color charts. So we teach users how to do that, and then they make those charts. All just making charts and handling charts and handling patch sets and all that's like a day of the four days. Then um, you have the curves press run and measurement. That's like a half a day, that total thing. Nothing, you know, everything in, that you run, Jeff, and you know, in a printing plant takes longer than you think, right? Right. Um, and then um, uh, we, do, we, we do the profile press run and measurement, right? And, um, you know, that's, a, that's another day. So now we're at two and a half or three days if we're counting, right? Then we take that data and we do two things. Once we have the profile data, we proof to that. So when, when we go into a, an account, um, hopefully they have our proofing system. Other proofing systems work, but they don't take our profiles. So there's kind of funky ways we try to translate our profiles into other profiles. That doesn't work so well today. We do it if we have to. But if it's our proofing solution, they just use our profiles and they put them right in. But we just have to, we want to run a check on is their proofer accurate? So that's a, you know, that's a couple right. hours of, of, I guess we're into day four here. But then we make a verification run. And in the expanded gamut world, like I really like the G7 procedures because the verification run is the same as the calibration run and it's more technical. But in expanded gamut, customers will not let us get away with that. They want to put their list of Pantone colors on there. They want to take a couple jobs and separate them and proof them and, right. and, and do all that. And um, we haven't fought them on that because, you know, to us, once we, we, we can do it. It's, it's amazing. People always have doubt until you get to that fourth day. You make So they put together a verification form, and that's about two or three hours to put together a form, right? It's one of those 20-minute projects that takes three hours always, right? Because they have to go dig out prior production jobs, jobs that they've already printed with spot colors, right? Mm-hmm. And they, they put them on the form. And then we try to put maybe a P2P target on the form or just to make sure their curves are right and their solids are right and all that stuff. They proof, they proof that form, right? We set up their proofer to make sure it's getting an accurate match to their profile. Then um, they print it, right? They convert right. To, they. They convert the job to seven color. Really, they convert the job to seven color before they proof it. So they, they take that data, they convert their job, their verification job to seven color. They proof it and they make plates and they print it. And um, that's like the greatest, you know, the, the greatest uh, eye opener 
or you could even say sales tool in the yes. world is when they see how good that press sheet matches the proof. And that's right? again, that, that big bang, uh, for matching those pan call, uh, excuse me, that big bang for matching those Pantone colors, those Pantone spot colors, both with the proofer and the press. I can imagine you kind of blow people away. Yeah. Yeah. And what's interesting is, um, this is a fact that the pan, you know, expanded gamut cannot match every Pantone color. Right. That's that's a fact that we have to live with. Right. Um, you know, what, one of my great friends, Jack Frank, who's one of the most capable people in the entire industry and expanded gamut. Um, he, he also when I, I made that comment one time. Um, he set up a lot of the expanded gamut at MPS and West Rock and places like that. Um, he works for MPS West Rock. I said, yeah, but, you know, expanding gamut really can't match the entire Pantone book of spot colors. And he said, you know what, Mark, you can't match every spot color with spot colors. We just so, did a, um, we just had a talk with uh, actually it's, it was a webinar and that was with uh, uh, Sonia Dearden from Lent talking about the challenges she had with just getting the the spot colors to match from ink manufacturer to ink manufacturer going across different substrates and right. challenges r- really, really eye opening. And then the challenge with, you know, your typical, uh, Pantone swatch books and aging and all the different variables that are there that sometimes send people in the wrong direction when they're, and then you have CXF versus, you know, LAB values. So there's a, a lot of things that get, that need to get nailed down and information needs to go out to kind of set that record straight as to right. what that leading practice is and what people should really be doing. There's no question that spot color workflows are not perfect. If you, it's, it, but it's all, I like to point out to people that when they run seven color process, even with our great software, they're not going to match every Pantone color. It's better to know that than be taken by surprise at some point in the future. But what's interesting, as soon as we have your press profile, we can tell you every Pantone color and how close you can possibly get. We can even give you the LAB values of the new color. And is right? that, is that a solution within the ESCO, uh, 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 products? Yeah. That, that we have a whole bunch of tools just to make it easier that we've developed after we came out with the Equinox system about eight or nine years ago. We've developed a whole bunch of tools to make that easier. And one tool is right away. You don't have to do any work. All you have, as soon as you have your profile, you can see every Pantone color and how close you can get. Can you stay? Right. Is that stack ranked uh, according to like Delta E2000? This is the one that's the farthest out all the way down through the whatever 16. I mean, you, plus. yeah, well, it's a, you, you have the whole Pantone book, right? And with our yeah. tools, you can sort however you want. Gotcha. So you can sort by Delta E if you want, right? Can you put that out as a report so that they can uh, hang yeah, it on the wall yep. and put it into an SOP or a uh, work instruction? Yep, yep. For your sales and, reps, that confidence builder. I mean, that's a huge confidence builder from both, you know, this, I, I imagine sales reps struggling, you know, for press OKs and things like that. And to have that situational awareness where they could communicate the true capability to their brand owners in a way that they understand so it's not a debate and the brand owner or the print buyers not it's like hey, these guys really know what they're doing they know exactly what pantones can hit and why probably don't get that from a lot of their uh, service providers it can be helpful to be able to share digital values and i actually thought that was going to solve the problem 
of not being able to match the entire Pantone book. Um, so, and we can do that today. It's, it's, there's, there's one thing that's even more helpful, which I'm going to describe in a second. But right now today, if you, as soon as you have your color profile, you can click a button and for any Pantone color, for the whole book, if you want, it can say, okay, this is how far off you are Pantone 185 red. You're 1.6 Delta E off. And here's the new LAB value that you can hit. You can hit this one, you know, whatever, L45, A, I don't know, um, I'll make up some numbers, A55, right. B27, right? Mm-hmm. That's, that color you can hit, and it'll tell you the color, you know, the original color and the color you can hit. That's been pretty helpful. But the world is not as comfortable with looking at digital values as you might think. The world needs to get more comfortable because that's how all the color specs are going to be written. But the, the biggest value added of the whole thing is the proof. When you make a proof, you convert the job to seven color. And what you're doing is you're proofing the seven color file. You're proofing that seven color file with a seven color press profile as a source and a seven color or other proofer profile as a destination. And Epson P7000 or P9000, perfect device. Right. Seven colors, right? Um, plus light cyans and light magettas and stuff to give it smoothness, right? But um, what you can make a proof that you can – it looks so close to the press sheet, Jeff, that you can't tell unless you feel it or you look at it from an angle to see that yeah. it has a slightly different surface. It's, it's that close. It's amazing. It's way more accurate than spot color proofing. It's a bit more accurate than CMYK proofing because you're having seven, you're having four times the amount of profile data over a color space. It's about 70 percent larger. Got it. So it's it's um, it makes, you know, it makes that. Sense, Mike. Yeah, Mark, that, that makes the, total sense. The, the proof is, you know, through your eyes under the light booth, right? Yeah. I mean, if you send it to a brand and you say, here's a new LAB value we can measure, some will know something and some will not, right? Right. Um, but, um, you know, the brand and the designer and the product management at the at the brand, they all can look at a proof and say, yeah, I approve that or I don't approve that. That's That's been, you know, if you would ask me, like, what 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 was, like, kind of the biggest hurdle to overcome for expand the gamut to receive the growth that it's now receiving, right? 2019 growth, yeah. really more, we have more interested customers than we've ever had before. Um, I would say dealing with the fact that you really can't match every spot color perfectly with expanded gamut. And we've dealt with that really in two ways. We've developed tools to show you the color that you can match. And we just, we know our excellent, super high quality expanded gamut proofing gives people a realistic expectation. We have, we have customers who never use proofs in packaging for contract approval. In commercial, you guys in the G7 commercial side have been using proofs for contract approving for 20 years now. But in packaging, we have customers who never did because in, in every proof that had a picture of a spot color and a little chip that says, this is for, uh, you know, this color is just for uh, reference only. Don't look it for color accuracy. And, um, now that they've adopted expanded gamut, they use proofing, you know, for contracts. How often they write contracts guys, based on that. How often do you implement the professional services for uh, setting a client up for extended gamut? Is it uh, two to three a year or? Oh, no. Um, every client we do, we, we do that. We, we, um, we sell them professional services. Unless they have a really good reason to opt out. Right. I mean, we don't force it upon them, but every client that we put an Equinox proposal together for 
right? Which is going to include right. hardware and a little bit of hardware. Might be a new box, like a new Windows box. Might be an i1 iOS and things like that, but mostly software. We will include professional services. Wonderful. Mark, I think that, uh, that well, we, we just covered a huge amount of really good stuff, man. My head's spinning, thinking about what the hell do I ask you next? And uh, the thing that I kind of wanted to, to, to touch on is, um, do you find that the brand owners and the print buyers are working hand in hand with some of these uh, seven color process providers and, uh, you know, describe what good looks like, uh, when you have the brand owner and the print service provider working together, uh, to get this to happen, to meet the demands economically, as well as the brand integrity for their clients. Uh, yeah. Well, Jeff, um, that's, that's a good question. And, um, two years ago, I conducted surveys of it in the end it turned out to be 27 i wanted to get 30 and i don't, can't remember what happened to the, the three that i missed but i got tw- I, I had 90 minute interviews way more than a survey i'll call it an interview with 27 equinox customers and i had a whole list of questions it took 90 minutes to ask them the question try to understand what's driving all this but one of the questions is you know what was your uh, what was the driving force to implement expanded gamut and in the, the number one was they were somehow related to the desires of the brand. And um, in some cases, the brand told them they had to do it. In other cases, they figured out that there was so much value, they went and sold it to the brand. You know, I mean, right. some I know so there's some people say, well, look, if the brand's not asking for anything, just keep your mouth shut. Don't do it. But other people have a different philosophy and say, we want to bring value added. And if we have a value added, we want to go talk to the brand. We want to play offense, tell them what we can do to help them. And so um, your your question was, you know, what does that look like when you have the brand working with a pre-media company, working with a printer? That's what and, you know, ASCO at that point, we didn't even have a program to go to the brands. If somebody asks me, says, hey, Mark, you know, we bought Equinox. We're doing great. We want you to do a webinar for this brand. Uh, I will always do that to help them. But uh you know, when we did these um, these interviews with people and they told us that all this, uh, the, you know, over half of, the, um, half of them said the number one reason it drove them to ECG was the ability to work with the brands. That's kind of showing, you know, how critical that piece is in the whole puzzle. Mark, I really appreciate your time and you definitely enlightened me and I'm sure that our uh, our listeners are are enlightened as well. What, what would you, if somebody was looking to, further investigate uh, adopting a seven-color process, uh, becoming more educated, whether it's a print service provider or a brand owner, where should they start looking? Um, I could, if you're allowed to, I could give my email address, but uh, there's a couple other neat things I should mention. So um, there's a class that Clemson University is having – and if I was really an organized person, I could tell you the dates, which I will be able to tell you in about 20 seconds. So there's a three-day class at Clemson University, and that class is April 9th through 11th. And if you, I'm pretty sure if you just search the internet and you type in Clemson yeah. and expanded gamut, um, that will pop up. And um, that class is, you know, it's about half lecture. I'm teaching. I'm one of the teachers there in that class. And it's about half hands-on. 
So you actually use the tools. We actually have a press there, Flexo Press. We actually uh, run the curves run on that press. Then we run the profile run on that press. Then we make a verification run with a bunch of live jobs and we print it. Um, we do the same thing at APR. We do the same thing at Mark Andy. We might be doing one at Cal Poly this year. We're still kind of wrestling with that. So those are that's a very non-commercial. You know the work the work that we do with Clemson and Cal Cal Poly and APR that that's very non-commercial. Mark Andy, like Mark Andy is a commercial company, but it's a pr pretty much non-commercial seminar. That's just kind of work to, to help the industry. Um, my should I get my email address? Yeah, man, go ahead. Oh, okay. So my email address is Mark. M-A-R-K dot Samworth, S-A-M-W-O-R-T-H at esco.com. So I can, um, if you shoot me an email, there's different ways that I can, you know, help you out or get, get uh, connections. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things, um, uh, Jeff, one of the things I was just going to comment on is, um, you know, I met Jeff through the Idea Alliance because I'm on the Idea Alliance Expanded Gamut Committee and, um, and Jeff, you know, does communications for the Idea Alliance and that's how we kind of connected. And, um, one of the funny things, like the weird questions I get, and I, I know um, that the team at the Idea Alliance, you know, gets this all the time. But people say, well, why is ESCO participating in the Idea Alliance expanded gamut work? Because you're the worldwide leader in expanded gamut. Why do you want anybody else to catch you? Maybe your competitors might learn something from the stuff that, that, that we're doing. The reason is the if we care about the entire industry. If we grow the entire industry of expanded gamut, ESCO, that's going to be profitable for ESCO. Sure, maybe our competitors will gain some business too. It's not our job. We, we don't really want to hurt our competition. That's not what motivates us. What yeah. we really want to do is help everybody else grow the whole market so that we have a bigger market to sell to. Competitors will get some of that. We'll get some of it. But the industry as a whole will be much better off. I hate, there's to, not a, I hate to use there's a not, cliche, but uh, it sounds like you're, you're saying, you know, uh, rising tides float all boats. Yeah, that right? that's that's exactly what we're saying. And, you know, there's there's a little bit of a an ethical side to expanded gamut also, Jeff, because there is not a single thing you can do in a package printing plant to reduce waste to the degree anywhere near the degree of eliminating custom spot colors. You start to track paper waste. You start to track carbon footprint. You start to like just financial waste all related to spot colors. There's nothing even close to doing that. So we, we feel like working with the Idea Alliance and providing this technology is very profitable for ESCO, and, um, but it's, it's really good for the entire industry and, and really good for you know, the world beyond just the printing industry. Now, how, how do you rectify the uh, adoption of seven color, all right, which primarily, you know, one of the, the key benefits is the elimination of spot colors, Yet you're part of Danaher, which also owns Pantone. Is there any pushback from Pantone? Is, uh, hey, you know, you guys, we want to sell Pantone colors, spot colors, and you're out here pushing seven-color process. Um, that actually never has come up, Jeff. And we worked with Pantone a lot. In fact, uh, the Pantone made an expanded gamut guide. Great. So, so there's um, a benefit to Pantone and seven-color yeah. process. And what is yeah. that? Well, yeah, and so there's and they're selling a lot of these expanded gamut guides now. That's an interesting uh, theory, and I'll give you the very very short discussion. They made this expanded gamut guide like five or six years ago, right? First year or two, the sales were pretty low, right? Um, and the last couple of years, the sales are real high, 
And now the biggest folding carton company who's converting everything to expanded gamut or a lot of their work to expanded gamut are using this expanded gamut guide to distribute to print buyers around the world. And they want them to pick the colors, not from the Pantone Solid Goated book. They want them to pick the colors from the Pantone Expanded Gamut Guide. And this kind of ties in with, you know, the fact that I mentioned that, you know, one of the biggest problems in adoption of Expanded Gamut is we can't match the entire Pantone book. Well, this solves that. You can match the entire Pantone Expanded Gamut Guidebook. Gotcha. Because that's printed with seven colors, right? And that's not printed at the uh, Pantone uh, facility there in New Jersey. This is this is being done by a packaging printer. I mean, the whole the, the whole thing they they the whole thing was done with Equinox. So it was all ESCO software, yeah. right? They took they went in and did all the steps I outlined to you. They ran a curves test. They ran a profile test. Then they set up these jobs, and the job is just pages of a Pantone book, right? Right. 1,800 and something colors, right? And then they just converted all the spot colors into seven-color process and printed it, right? And that's not printed at the uh, Pantone uh, facility there in New Jersey. This is this is being done by a packaging uh, printer. Yeah. Correct. I mean, the whole the, the whole thing they they the whole thing was done with Equinox. So it was all ESCO software, yeah. right? They took they went in and did all the steps I outlined to you. They ran a curves test. They ran a profile test. Then they set up these jobs, and the job is just pages of a Pantone book, right? Right. One thousand eight hundred and something colors, right? And then they just converted all the spot colors into seven color process and printed it. Man, so uh, good. Good yeah. deal. So that class there at Clemson is, again, can you repeat that? It's April? April 9th, 10th, and 11th. And we have that- other classes, but they're, they're way, I think the next one, I can't remember where it is. I think it's at Mark Andy, but I think that's in June. Okay. Um, and this is so. something that you guys host and you guys put on yourself, correct? Well, no, there's other speakers. Um, Catherine Haynes is a, is a speaker and a teacher. She's from APR. Uh, Bobby Congdon is uh, kind of the, like the director of the Sunoco Institute down at Clemson and uh, like faculty member there. And uh, he teaches it. And then we have some of their grad students who uh, uh, run the press and things like that. And, um, you know, they're, you know, they're uh, invaluable, right? Doing a lot of the critical work to, to, to make it so that it's not just a bunch of lectures. We actually print the jobs. Yeah. So we're, you know, we, we probably, um, well, the whole, the whole, the whole course is done with ESCO software, not because we're trying to promote our software, but it just makes it easy. Hey, Mark, we're coming up on an hour, and I really appreciate your vast knowledge and sharing that with our audience. And we look forward to having you on another Gamut podcast in the future. Jeff, thank you. It's been a pleasure for me as well. Thanks for listening to the Gamut Podcast. If you have ideas, suggestions, or would like to join us or even sponsor future podcasts, simply email me at jcollins at idealliance.org. That's J-C-O-L-L-I-N-S at idealliance.org. Take care and have a productive day.